All right. We are back. These are not the faces you were expecting, but today it is a takeover. It's myself, Jason Brown, here with new member of Climbing the Pocket, Jonathan, here to make us a bit smarter on today's show. As always, we got Dave in the truck, also on the screen, hanging out with us today. And in today's show, we're going to do a bit of a recap. We're going to look over the things that uh, didn't go the way we would have loved in the last game. We're going to look ahead a little bit into uh, you know the upcoming game. And uh, we got some questions from the audience that we're going to jump into as well. Maybe talk a little bit about, you know, who's to blame, all of those wonderful things. Do a bit of score prediction, and then we're going to get up out of here. But while we're doing all of it, we'll be sipping on some beverages, having a good time. And uh, yeah, Dave, roll us in. Let's go. Welcome to Vikings Happy Hour, where we mix our favorite beverage and talk of your Minnesota Vikings. All right. Here we go. We're live. Vikings Happy Hour. I know you showed up looking for Matt and Ryan and the crew. They've had some personal things going on, so you're stuck with me and Jonathan and Dave. Before we really jump into this, though, as it's, uh, it's my first show with Jonathan, he's one of the newer members of the CTP crew. Jonathan, introduce yourself to the folks. Tell us how you're doing, how you've been, what's going on with you. My name is Jonathan. I'm a student at the University of Minnesota studying uh, data science as my major. It's super interesting stuff, you know. I've been a Vikings fan basically my whole life, but more recently I've taken a more informed look at my fandom, you know, trying to really uh, analyze the team. And it's led me to this community. So here I am. Love it. And uh, this informed look at Vikings fandom, like how can it both be informed and like have you still stick around and be a fan is really what I want to understand. Well... Unfortunately, sometimes you're stuck with the team you're born with, you know? <laughs> this is true. This is true. Well, before we really jump into things here, I just want to go ahead and say, give a shout out to some of the folks. We got Mary in the building, Clifford in the building, Joseph, what's up, my man? Sorry we missed you last, uh, sorry we missed you on Tuesday. Good to see you today. Vikings Jerome, as always, Luis, Mateo, let's get into it. Let's talk a bit of Vikings. And so There's um, we got Jonathan here. He's a very smart man. You already heard me rant after uh, after the game about how I was feeling about things. So we're going to mix it up a little bit. We're going to get Jonathan here to give us his thoughts. Um, first and foremost, let's just jump in to the last game. What were your thoughts coming out of that? We've had a bit of time. Some of the emotions maybe have died down a little bit. Um yeah, what were the main things you were thinking about com- kind of coming out of that game? And uh, how do you feel about this team and their chances, I guess, coming out of the game going forward? So that game was really disappointing for me because it's just, I guess, I had kind of, the offense had really struggled against Pittsburgh. Well, against Pittsburgh, it was good, right? But Kirk Cousins struggled. But then against Chicago, it was just terrible. So I really talked myself into that just being, they weren't ready, you know, like, you know, just couldn't really motivate themselves, whatever. But, like, against the Rams, you know, they're really going to get up and play. But the offense was not good against the Rams. That was why we lost. Cousins was okay. He, he could have been better. Um, the The major it's issue is an inefficient run game. An inefficient run game, Clint Kubiak, I, I don't know. He, he kept calling runs that just went nowhere. 
So I, I honestly thought the defense played really well. Turning over Stafford three times, like you're supposed to win games when you turn over the opposing QB three times, but it just it didn't happen for us. Offense didn't move the ball well enough. I think there were a few fourth downs in the game. Uh, the one especially where we had a fourth and one. Now it was closer to our own end zone. It was really on our side of the field, but we really should have gone for it. If, if we could have converted that, it would have been huge for us. We ended up punting. They got a 67-yard punt return touchdown. And then it felt like the game was over after that. And uh, th- those are really the uh, the areas that I think cost us. So, yeah, what about you, Jason? What do you think from that game? Oh, I mean, I, I think that you, you, you nailed the analysis in that uh, – yeah, the offense didn't do enough. Right. And I, I know that oftentimes when you say the offense do, didn't do enough, uh, what people tend to hear is that it's all Kirk Cousins' fault and you're blaming it all on him if you say the offense didn't play well enough. But you mentioned, like, Kirk, you know, he played, eh, maybe kind of okay. And uh, Mateo in the comments, he yeah, just kind of posted something that a lot of people have been saying for a little bit here that, uh, after what appeared to be a very hot start to the season, you know, there was a point in time where Kirk was the number one uh, quarterback on PFF. Uh, Kirk seems to have fallen off a bit lately. And I know that you, I want to say, say like you're like uh, a, a Kirk stan, but you tend to be a little bit more level-headed in your analysis is what I'll say. Um, yeah. Give me your thoughts on Kirk in this game and maybe Kirk over the last few games where things don't seem to be clicking the way that they were maybe a little bit earlier in the season. So uh, first of all, it's really funny. Um, for a couple of weeks, Cousins was like the number one graded, like offensive grade QB. And then his like his offensive grade dipped to second, but his passing grade was number one. So what uh, Kirk fans would do is they'd specifically post whichever one was like higher for him <laughs> in that given week. <laughs> and that was, I don't know, I thought that was pretty funny. But um yeah, he's he's been worse. Um, there's no doubt about that. Last game, it's it's really hard for me to separate between like the play calling and like like what is Cousins just choosing bad throws, not being aggressive, and then what is like the play calling just not putting him in a position where he can really play his best. It's really hard for me to separate those things, and that that's where I struggle. I think he's been okay, but he's definitely been worse, and he's definitely not been worth the contract like he was earlier in the year. So that's what I think. Oh, all right. And uh, I know this is getting way ahead here. I like Quang's comment. Maybe we can, you know, we can take some money from Kirk every time he throws a check down short of the sticks on, uh, on third down. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know it's getting ahead of us we have some people uh you know looking ahead and uh i mean we'll, we'll talk about it in greater detail later on but you know hire an offensive mind trade kirk keep kirk i know we're going to talk about it but do we feel like clint kubiak has maybe lost the magic he started off the season i think in eric's numbers he was doing he was top five for a while dropped the middle of the pack and then we really haven't heard much he hasn't got back above middle of the pack he's been you know, kind of in that right, lower third for the top of the lower third, but still lower third for uh, a majority of the season. So as you're looking at things, I know that you say it's maybe tough to to separate the two, but do you feel like a lot of what's going on with us now is just 
folks catching up to what Clint Kubiak is trying to do and us not being able to adjust as quickly? That could be part of it. Part of it is also, I just, I think the Vikings are, they're too segmented in their approach. Instead of entering each game, trying to do whatever is needed to win the game, it feels like they enter with more individual goals, like avoid turnovers or avoid sacks or avoid negative plays or get, get some yards after catch or get Jefferson involved. And all those things are great. And ideally we did all happen every week. Right. But if you're trying to optimize for those types of goals over winning, over scoring as much points as possible, you're, you're not doing your job. And I think that's a trap that uh, Clint Kubiak has fallen into. Oh, that That's a, uh, it's a great point because a lot of what it seems we've adjusted for over the course of the season, it's, okay, Kirk's not great in the pocket, so we're going to get the ball out really fast. But, oh, wait, Kirk's a great deep ball thrower. Are we going to take those chances? Are we going to roll them out? Okay, maybe not. We're not going to want to do that. Or, like, maybe if Kirk's too aggressive, we might get some more interceptions. And so, like, it seems that there's been this back and forth throughout the year where we're not really sure what to optimize for. And it seems as though... Uh, we're optimizing for Kirk's TD to interception ratio. Maybe I don't know. Maybe the passer rating sometimes is what it feels like because those checkdowns on third down. I mean, they still look great if you're looking at passer rating. Yeah, uh, I I don't buy into the narratives that Cousins tries to like optimize his play for stats so much. I think he's just naturally a very uh, cautious quarterback. And that just naturally plays well for um, passer rating. I I just think we need to be more flexible. I Cousins is capable of doing quite a few things like shotgun passing or play action. We just need to not have an identity. Like when you ever, whenever you have an identity, then your opponents can just work to stop your identity. And I think that's an issue with us. What would you like to see that identity be? Just being a multiple kind of Bill Belichick type of team or whatever we need to do to beat you, that's what we're going to do versus like we need to exactly. run the ball more. Which exactly. Is <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I, I love that. I think we need to – yeah. Yeah, but that yeah, we're going to run more is a defensive mechanism when his quarterback isn't having mm-hmm. a good day. He wants to take it out of his hands. And on the play calling, there's a lot of them where we see Kirk check down – and we see wide receivers wide open beyond the sticks. And it's his choice. That's It's his cautious nature. And there's the whole, well, they were in too high BS, which blows my mind that he's so afraid of that. Um, but he gets scared. And if he gets hit early or things don't go right early, it gets stuck in his head and then it compounds. He, d- he doesn't have the prerequisite, forget the last play and move on if he had a bad play. And – that that's been Kirk Cousins his whole career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that that that's fair. And so, uh, I guess yeah, we'll, we'll we'll spin it forward. We understand Kirk didn't play as well as we'd like. The offense stalled out. Yes, of course. I mean the offensive line. There's going to be problems with the protection at time. You're playing Aaron Donald, so we we understand that's also a factor. So before anyone starts yelling at me, we understand offensive line could always be better than it was. Adam Thielen being hobbled is an issue uh, for this team because it just allows teams to put even more attention on Justin Jefferson. KJ Osborne's a nice player. He's not Adam Thielen. Doesn't scare defenses in the same way. Let's them do some different things. But as uh, 
I mean, I think that we've 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 lived through the disappointment of of that last game over the past couple of days. You got Jonathan here. We're going to look ahead. And even though Packers fans will say we already won the Super Bowl earlier this season, we get a chance to win the Super Bowl twice, maybe three times in the same season. So we got a matchup coming up. It's one that we, you know, every time the Packers are on the schedule, you know, Vikings fans, Vikings players get a little bit more up, a little more hype for this matchup. So, so Jonathan, as you're looking ahead uh, to this matchup with, uh, with the Packers, uh, it's not, I won't ask how you're feeling. How do you feel like we match up with, with the Packers? <laughs> so it was recently announced Thielen will – he won't play this game. He's done for the season. That doesn't make me feel like we match up very well. Jerry Alexander, back for the Packers. That doesn't make me feel like we match up very well. Although, maybe Jerry was a little rusty, you know, coming off the injury and everything. The Maybe maybe the saving grace for Minnesota is this game is going to be cold. Very cold. Maybe one of the coldest games in NFL history. And may, maybe that slows down the Packers' passing offense because – I mean, our secondary is not going to slow down their passing offense. So maybe our run game can do something. Like last year, it was very windy, and we won a game where we were not the better team. If that game was in a dome, I don't think we get within seven points last year in that game. But it was very windy. They couldn't pass the ball. Dalvin Cook had a big day, and we ended up winning. So maybe something like that can happen again. We are – very outmatched. I I don't like our odds. Our red zone offense, I'd like to see some, some like splits, but our red zone offense without Thielen, it, we cannot score touchdowns. So how do you win without scoring touchdowns against Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams? You run I mean, the ball and you hope the yeah. wind blows 50 miles an hour. I mean, Luis just gave us the, 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 the game plan. It's uh, CJ Ham will get 10 plus touches and – we are golden with uh, with that going in. And yes, I mean, more so than just beating the Packers, Aaron Nagler and uh, the Packers media collectively losing their mind after that last game did make it all that much more enjoyable. So like, you know, fingers crossed, we can, we can see some of those things again. Um, but Jonathan, there's something else you mentioned there that I, I wanted to get your, your take on because I know that we've talked about it um, on the timeline at some points on Twitter, in the group chat at different points. Uh, but you mentioned that Dalvin Cook was kind of able to carry the Vikings to victory in past um, matchups against the Packers. But you've also said at different times that like Dalvin doesn't look like the same Dalvin anymore, even before the injury that kind of took him out of uh, out of some game. So mm-hmm. I guess I, I'm curious for your thoughts because you know we got good news, bad news today. Good news, hey Dalvin's back, he gets to play. Bad news, Thielen's gone. Um, Curious for your perspective on like how much of an impact you expect Dalvin being there to have on the outcome of this game um, as kind of maybe a countermeasure to us losing Thielen. So my hot take that I don't think is that hot, but I think a lot of other people might think is hot, is that us getting Dalvin Cook helps us less than the Packers getting Jared Alexander back. So basically like in terms of net people getting off of injury, this is like a negative for us, right? With them getting Alexander and us getting Cook. That would be like my hot take. Um, I think it'll help. I think maybe Cook can do something. I I don't think if Cook plays against the Rams, I don't think our running game is much more efficient. There just weren't holes to run in. There's just, 
Madison isn't great, but he's not terrible either. And I don't think Cook could have really changed the outcome of that game. So, All right. David, I know that, I mean, you know, the run game off as a former offensive lineman, that's near and dear to your heart. Mm -hmm. As we start to think about this one, because, um, I mean, if we're just calling it what it is, like the Vikings have got their asses kicked in the trenches last couple of games. (laughs) And like the Rams were beaten, like we're we're whipping them on both sides of the trenches. And the defensive line, we were expecting it. But like their offensive line with like, whatever level of backup play they were on also whipping our ass, I don't think was something that really most of us were going to call. So as you're thinking about this game in the trenches, how do you see this one going after what you've seen from the Vikings over these past couple of weeks? It's going to be much more of the same. They'll do a little bit better, but not much. This is going to be a trench driven game because it is so cold. Um, it's going to be nasty out there and nobody's going to like, Throwing the football because the football is going to hurt, and uh, so they're they're going to they're going to run a lot more, and it's going to be. It looks like Udo will be back hopefully from COVID, so he'll be out there right guard. So you got the beef. You'll have the four tackles and the one center. Um, <laughs> they're oh, that's how they're built, and you're hoping that they're geared up for the run game, and that can help. And we'll probably see a more run-heavy game. The Vikings have been throwing the ball 60% of the time during the season. They are, you know, on that golden, you know, 60-40 type deal. But I expected to see more running this game. And uh, weather will do that. And if, if we can't, if we can get away with it, we're going to get away with it. It's a way to take the ball out of Kirk's hands. It's that simple. Because literally the weather is not going to be conducive just throwing the football, throwing or catching. So run it. Use Dalvin right. Cook. Use the so, piss out of him. Run his legs off. So we're expecting a low-scoring low scoring game. Is that, is that what we're calling, Dave? Basically. It's not going to be – I don't think it's going to be in the 30s. No. Okay. All up. right. All right. Well, before we get into the, uh, to the lightning round, uh, I want to get to a couple questions. From from the audience, we had some folks drop some questions in there for us ahead of time. And so, uh, Jonathan, I hope you're ready. But uh, first question from Clifford. Will retooling the defense put us back in contention? If so, who should be the QB next year? Um, if Cousins is the QB... If we like magically could just like flip, 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 clap our hands, whatever, and we have a top five defense, yeah, we'd be a contending team. With especially if we could get like a new offensive head coach, like if somehow we could get an offensive minded head coach and a top five defense, well, I mean, now you're just that's beautiful, right? But that's not realistic. So I don't think the defense can be retooled like that. So I don't think it's worth trying to compete next year. I don't think going for the playoffs, I don't think going for a Super Bowl makes any sense next year. So I think the QB next year, it should either be some kind of a bridge QB that we can find that maybe, you know, we want to take a flyer on and we can have him uh, battle in training camp with uh, Kellen Mond, or it could be a rookie QB that we draft, either with our draft pick or maybe we could get a first-round draft pick from trading Kirk Cousins. 
And then uh, the the second part of, of Clifford's question, um, do you think the Vikings are saying anything about uh, Kellen Mond by bringing back preseason GOAT Kyle Sloter? So is Sloter actually above Mond on the depth chart? Because if Mond is below Sloter on the depth chart, that does say something, I think. But otherwise, no, it doesn't really mean anything. It's just depth, right? All right. Uh, next question from uh, Jake. Uh, so let me see here. Who are some of your favorite head coaching candidates? So he has uh, Eric Bieniemy as number one. Um, and he also mentions Kellen Moore as being more of a boom-bust sort of a candidate for head coach just being thrown around a lot. We're interested in your thoughts. Who are some names that maybe you'd be interested in as a, as a potential head coaching candidate if Zimmer does get replaced um, as it seems as those things are trending? Um, more excites me. More is an interesting candidate, but he's very inexperienced, very young, right? And there's like a danger there. Like you said, boomer bust. Uh, Biennemi... I'm, I'm not sold on his. Uh, I, it's part of me, I guess, is just worried about hiring a coach who is a running back because I'm always worried about run pass balance. I, maybe that's just like being biased here, but I'm not sold that Bienemy as our head coach would really bring in like an offensive dynasty, like people think with hiring a Chiefs assistant. Another head coach candidate that I think is sort of underrated, actually, because. Um, he just never gets considered, but who's done a pretty good job this year with Mac Jones is uh, Josh McDaniels with the Patriots. I'd like to bring him in for an interview. I don't know if he's the guy, but I'd like to give him a chance, you know, get him in the room. Love that. And, uh, Luis, what is he saying? We riot. Okay. All right. Well, we'll get to that. Yes. We'll, we'll get to riot that. If they keep all three and huh? get all back. And the answer to that's yes. I mean, I probably. Hope so. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll pretend to riot in the offseason, but we will be right back in it come preseason. The first, the first highlight they show us of uh, training camp, you know, we'll be right back in there all the way, believing that, you know, this is our year. We're definitely winning the Super Bowl. Look at Justin Jefferson dust that guy who's going to be selling cars next year. Of course, we're going to be unstoppable. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, we can talk our shit in the offseason, but we know how it's going to go once uh, they start throwing things around. But uh, all right. We're going to get into this lightning round. And uh, Luis, perfect segue. Thank you very much. Because the next thing we're going to talk about here is the case for and against keeping each member of the big three. And that big three being Kurt Cousins, Mike Zimmer, Rick Spielman. And so, uh, Jonathan, I would like you to give your take. Kirk Cousins, should he be retained? If we could somehow, like in a magical world, where Cousins, you know, he just his kids love Minnesota. He loves Minnesota. He loves the cold weather, everything. He decides, you know what? I'm going to sign a six-year, $150 million long-term extension, uh, like on a budget, going to give you guys way below market value. Yes, keep, keep him. But if he's going to be like – the only thing I'm signing is some two-year, eighty million dollar extension or something. He, we we have to trade him. It's we're not at the point where we can compete with Cousins. He's 
he's too expensive and we're we have too much dead money elsewhere on our roster to have uh, an expensive contract like his. And like some of the uh, points that uh, people here have brought up, he does fail sometimes in more important moments, which you can't have that from a guy who costs as much as he does. So I think we could trade him and maybe try and get some draft capital. All right. I like that. David, anything to add? I'd trade him tomorrow if I had the chance. Um, <laughs> but I've not been – I'm not a Kirk Cousins advocate. Never have been. Um, it w- it makes sense to me that whoever's in charge come time that we get close to the draft in March that they start selling the heck out of Kirk Cousins and he gets traded. We want to – he's going to get $10 million from us no matter what. I would like to sh- shuffle off that $35 million to somewhere else and let him go. And most likely we'd get a first rounder for him. That seems to be at least the minimum going price. And there will be QB needy teams. There always is. Um, every year they start out, wow, there's only maybe two or three teams that need quarterbacks. And by the end of the year, it's like half the teams need quarterbacks. Um, there's teams willing to, that will be willing to take him thinking, you know, a head coach with ego, I can fix him. Um, by all means, go. But it and all so depends on who's in here, who's in charge by them. And to answer Clifford's question, devil's advocate, if he's not good enough for us, what makes us think he's good enough for uh, another team to, that considers themselves to be a contender? Uh, probably the same thing that made us make that decision, and that Kirk is a good quarterback, yes. and – Good if you look point. at him in aggregate, he looks like the type of person that if you put him in the right environment, he can help you win games. So like Seattle, not that environment. So much of what was going on in Seattle was just unsustainable because Russ was running around and doing all those things behind that awful line and still like keeping them in contention year over year. Kirk would go there and they would fail even worse than they have this season because like that's not an environment that he can succeed in. But like, if you can get him in a team where they do have a few more of those things together, I know like teams like Denver are thrown out a lot. Pittsburgh, I don't know like how good or bad their line is, but it would need to be a team that really has all of the things on offense. So like a team like Denver that does have weapons that are there already, and their weapons are cheap still at the moment. So they potentially could invest some money to maybe beef up a line around Kirk Cousins. Like teams like that, where he could potentially go in and have some good things around him, maybe for a season or two, make a lot of sense. And I could see NFL people convincing themselves that like, hey, we could make this work. We're in a window. Let's take a big swing, see what goes. Um, but I mean, yeah, we, we've seen, yeah, we've seen how it goes. Yeah, the Browns. Wow, look at all those touchdowns. Look at all those yards. Yeah. And for a team like the Browns, I mean, the problem with the Browns is that who's he throwing to, right? Like, they have a great line, but their receiving weapons, which for a quarterback's play are far more important, are quite suspect. <laughs> like, I like, so, I like Donovan I mean, Peoples-Jones. It's true. He's very boom-bust, though. But that could just be me being tainted by fantasy football. So, you know, don't take that analysis too, too much to heart. Uh, if Russell Wilson is available, I mean, 
yes, please. But I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. We didn't make the list of places that he wanted to go. So I don't know. But if we could get him, I mean, sure. It's Russell Wilson. Hey, I'd love Deshaun Watson. He clears his legal hurdles. Oh, God. (laughs) We're not going to get into all that. uh, Because, Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so very non-smooth segue to jump back into the show. Uh, Mike Zimmer. What's your take, Jonathan? Should he be retained or should he be thrown out of the boat? He, he has to go. I, there's He's failed too much defensively these past few years with what is pretty substantial defensive investment. And as a defensive head coach, it's inexcusable. Um, the, the other issue is Zimmer, at this point in his career, he – does not have a bright future. He is not the kind of guy where you bring in and you think, oh, he's going to develop. He's going to grow as a coach. He's going to really learn. He's going to make us better for a long time. That's not who he is. I think we need to find somebody who is like that, but on the offensive side of the ball. Okay. All right. Dave, I know there was a, there was, there was a long period of time there where you were among the staunchest Mike Zimmer defenders <laughs> and all still of still make an group. argument out of all three. That's the one you need okay, to keep well, if one keeps. Okay, well, um, make that argument. Let me hear it, Dave. Convince well, me. Well, Clifford asked, what's the percentage of, I think it was Clifford, that Mike's gone? And I'd say that's 95%. It's up to the Wilfs. And it depends on the counsel they get as to whether he stays or he goes and who they determine is the problem with everything this year. The argument for him is that He's had to coach with Kirk Cousins forced on him. He did not want Kirk Cousins. He thought, as Everson Griffin said, Kirk Cousins is ass. They obviously don't get along. They don't think the same mentally. Whereas before, pre-Kirk Cousins, the team was on the rise, right? And then we hit 2016. Uh, then Teddy's knee blew up. Then you had Sam Bradford, and Sam Bradford started out 6-0, and and then suddenly the offensive line got the plague. And for the rest of the season, we barely made it. And then you got 2017, and uh, Sam Bradford's knees went to shit, uh, which is going to happen with Anthony Barr, too. And then we got, you know, road lightning, road lightning that year with uh, Case Keenum. Case. And his lucky horseshoe, which drove Zim nuts. But Zim knew he could get the big plays out of Case because he does like the big plays. He does like his conservative pound, pound, mash, mash, mash. And then he likes the long shot. He likes those high production plays. He's not the one that goes 10 yards, 10 yards, 10 yards, 10 yards. He's, you know, push the ball, push, run the ball, run the ball, five, six, seven, eight clock, eight clock, and then boom, right? And then he got Kirk Cousins against his will, and he's tried to make that work, and I think Kirk Cousins came in and said, don't worry about it, Coach. I got it, and that's why we didn't see them get together until this year, which blows my freaking mind. I'm the head coach. I'm going to say, I don't give a shit what you think. You're going to come in here, and you're going to learn. We're going to talk about this, but that's me, and I thought Zimmer was more old school like that. Now, Zimmer obviously loves his defense. His defense, he still can scheme up a defense like nobody's business, he, he has forgotten more football than most of us will ever know. 
but he has not gotten that defense back to where it needs to be. Last year was a joke. This year uh, was a joke because of lack of personnel. This year we've had injuries. He's got some personnel, but we knew when we signed all those free agents, most of them on the cheap, that only about 50% of them would work out. That turns out to be the case. You have to develop chemistry. You've got to develop early, and you've got to go. And some of those early guys, like Kendricks and Barr and even Harrison Smith and stuff, they're starting to get long in the tooth. So that wasn't there. He can still – I still think he's a fantastic defensive mind in the league. Hell, he's got a defense named after him. Not many coaches do. That's why I think if he stayed – if any of them stayed, it would be him that I wanted out of the three. Now, do I want him to stay? That's a different question. And the answer to that is no. I want all three of them gone. I want Zim fired. I want Spielman fired or put in a position where he can't do anything, i.e. out of the GM spot, get a new GM, and I want Kirk traded in March. That's how I feel. Zim's got enough warts. He's got enough flaws that, you know, game management and a whole bunch of other shit, that it's grown stale here. The whole time in Minnesota is stale as 10-day-old bread. And if you flip it over, you'll see the mold growing on the bottom side. Sorry. There we go. All right. Well, there's been a lot of things going on in these comments here. A lot of ageism saying that, you know, Zim is too old to be here doing the job anymore. Not sure if we can get all the way behind that, you know. Hey, the greatest Dave coach still ever down is, for what, us there. 70? Like 70 years old. So, but there's some other things that were said here that uh, because I have Jonathan on, it's uh, it's a perfect time because um, a lot of what we're seeing in the comments is people asking for maybe a more dynamic quarterback, one who's a bit more mobile, one who can run around a little bit. And I know that there's been points through this season that you've kind of pointed out that like, while we can get seduced by like the flashy plays that come with a maybe Lamar Jackson or some of the other quarterbacks that like get out of the pocket a lot um, that many of the top quarterbacks in the league at this moment, if you're looking at PFF, if you're looking at EPA plus, you know, completion percentage over expectation are still quarterbacks that play the game from the pocket. So Jonathan, I guess, what are your thoughts? If you're thinking, you know, at this point you've made the case for Kirk to be gone. We're going to assume that Zim is gone here as well. What's the quarterback position look like? What type of quarterback are you looking to bring in? If it's up to you, you're the GM, you get to make these kind of choices for us as we move forward. So I want the kind of quarterback who, first of all, he needs to have an arm that can be capable of making basically any throw. I think the arm is the most important thing on the QB. Nothing else like matters nearly as much. Then they need to be a competitor, you know, like really want to win, like, that is the most important thing for them. And I don't know how good uh, we are at like finding those types of people. I don't know how important that is for our team. Cause sometimes you just, you see production in college. You're like, Oh sure. They're they're for sure. They're a winner. Right. But for different people, they motivate themselves in different ways. Right. But then um, I think the offensive mentality behind the team is more important even than the QB. Something that happens for us way too often is we'll get a lead, right? And we'll, we'll play conservative. We'll play passive. We ne- When was the last time we beat a team by three or four or five touchdowns? We never do, right? Because we stop. And I think I want a coach and I want an offensive coordinator and I want a QB who wants to just 
keep scoring. They, they, they have a killer instinct. They have a killer mentality. That's what I want. I agree. Score 50 points a game. Do the Denny Green approach that I don't care how good the defense is. is if they get one or two stops, we win because we're going to score on every single drive. That's the mentality on offense I want. Mm-hmm. Jason, you're muted, by the way. He is muted. Uh, David, can you yeah. put Quang's comment back up now that you can actually hear what I'm asking you to do? This because one, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan he disagrees with you. Yeah, he says, Jonathan, you're wrong. So, I mean, obviously, he said, uh, it's not the arm, it's the balls. And, and does Quang that kind of speak correct. to what you're talking about when you're talking about well, the competitiveness? So, is that kind of a... My, that is, but my, my counter-argument is if you have huge balls but no arm, you can't make any throws. If you have no balls but a great arm, you can still make some throws, right? So that, that's my counter-argument to... Yeah, but if you so. if you generally don't – if you have the balls but not the arm, you can generally at least throw mid-range. You may not be able to hit the deep ball, but you can throw short and mid-range and still keep it going. It's the, the ability to read a defense, go against <laughs> its weaknesses, throw to the open areas, to the open receivers, and mm-hmm. keep the ball moving. If you're a quarterback and you can only accurately throw 10 yards, that's fine. That's the distance of the sticks. I was, as an offensive coordinator, will put my receivers at that 10 yards, and I will plan to move everybody else out and make you, optimize you to be productive and move the ball downfield. But you've got to have the gonads to do that. It's not that, as an offensive coordinator, i.e. Clint Kubiak, who are you design plays to have receivers go this way, they go deep past 10, and your quarterback doesn't have the ball, so he throws it two yards to C.J. Hamm. That's the difference. CJ Ham, 10 plus target game coming up. And Kirk has the coming arm. up. He's got a beautiful <laughs> deep arm when he throws it. <laughs> and Mary, we love that you love the conversation, you know, and that's really what it's all about for us. Last person here, Rick Spielman. Jonathan, is he staying or is he going? If I was the one making the decisions, I was the Wilfs. He's he's gone. What what day does our season end? Whatever, like fifteen January minutes 10th. after the last game. Okay, yeah. Well, then he's gone January eleventh. He's cleaning out his office. The argument for Spielman to stay is he's organized. He's, I think he's a good leader in the front office. I think he builds a good front office team. But the main thing with Spielman is when he orchestrates a plan like when he has a plan for how he wants the off the uh, roster to be made how he wants the team to get built what he wants to do in the offseason or even in the draft when he has that plan he executes and he executes well my issue is i don't think the plan is usually very good and i don't know who's making the plan whether that's zimmer whether that's him i i just i don't think the plan has been very good in recent years so if if he could like operate in some capacity working with uh, somebody who really is more of a visionary who has a, a better plan, I'd like for him to stay. But otherwise, I'm very uh, out on Spielman. Uh, Mateo's got this right. Since he and Zimmer have been together, and you got to remember, Rick's been here a long time. The only first-round successes, real hits, are uh, Barr and J.J. How are we defining hits here? Pro Bowls, maybe? Okay. Who else? I mean, 
I mean, the first can rounders you, haven't been good. They have not been good. Yeah. Uh, can you name any other first rounder that falls into that category? That, we have some second. I mean, Trey Wayne's Trey Wayne's didn't live up to his draft position, but he was a good football player. Yeah, but he was never a Pro Bowl level. Trey Waynes was great if as long as he didn't have to get his head turned around to stop a ball. For I mean, a top ten people, pitch. he's a great tackler. It's just his problem was when the receiver started to look back, he didn't look back with him. Also true. I'll give him. I'll give him two and a half. Trey wasn't terrible. The yeah, other ones have been got two off. and a half out of how many years? Eight. I mean, too many years. I'm not giving a pass because I think he should stay. I do. I, I am with Clifford. I do expect that Rick gets uh, he gets to hang around for a bit. And I'm also very surprised that Steve's comment that was just up there. That's uh, the second time I've seen someone in here mention uh, trading Dirty Harry, Harrison Smith. Uh, and so I guess you know that's another kind of uh, strike against Rick that we have some of these contracts that. Uh, that we're holding on to in through next season with like Thielen, like Harrison Smith. Uh, they I guess yeah, Jonathan. I guess, well, yeah, what are Give your thoughts on, on, on some of those players who seemed untouchable, who maybe could help another team? Clifford says, I mean, hold on, I want to answer Clifford. Clifford, yeah. Dave, that's more on scouting. Who runs the scouting department, Clifford? Who's the head of it? Plus, Spielman is supposed to be like a scouting guy. That's like his forte. He so. He's a personnel guy. That's where he came from. Oh, yeah, and Quang mm-hmm. coming through saying, you know, we could have had Aaron Donald. So mm-hmm. your bar pick, he doesn't even want to give you that, Dave. I, that's, that's what I'm saying. There are so many we could have had, we could have had, and we never did. No, and there, Spielman's got a whole history of that. If anybody wants to go, well, Spielman's good. He finds those nice fifth and seventh round gems. Almost every GM, whether they're if they're halfway decent, finds those fifth and seventh round gems every once in a while. That's a roll of the dice, and that does happen. Yes, he has found some, right? And then he's proceeded to run some of them out of town, i.e., Stefan Diggs. But it's you can't say that makes a good GM. It doesn't. You've got to take your early rounders and have them produce, and you expect first rounders to be starters. You expect second and third rounders to eventually get on the field and produce and be contributors. Take all our third rounders from this year's draft. And what have you got? A handful of plays. That's it. Helen Mond hasn't seen the field. Uh, Jones, who's now on COVID, went on COVID as of today, has only seen a few snaps. And who was the other third rounder? Um, Wyatt Davis? Wyatt Davis. And Wyatt Davis can't be found because he came to camp out of shape and he isn't smart enough or talented enough to get beyond whatever prejudice there is and physically dominate enough to take a spot away from Dakota Dozier or Ole Udo, then Mason Cole, now Ole Udo, and you tell me he was... Uh, two years prior, you know, his sophomore year, we're all saying, look at this All-American. He's going to be great. His ju- um, junior year, we're thinking, fuck, this guy's a top 10 pick. Then he got hurt, right? And now he can't make it on an NFL team that's desperate 
for offensive linemen? What's his problem? I would love to know, me and a bunch of other people. That says something about that scouting department and the guy who runs it, who is Rick Spielman. Was Wyatt Davis a team captain, David? I don't know. Yeah, I do believe he was. <laughs> there we go. Well, then you you have your answer. You have your answer. <laughs> but uh, we we know offensive line play gets you fired up. But like we are we are coming into uh, the the final part of the show. Um, we've hinted at it. We've talked around it a little bit. But now, Jonathan, need to put you on the spot here. Uh, how do you see it going down? I think this game is actually going to go. Vikings, Packers, Sunday night. Uh, do we have a chance? Are we going to sweep the division outside of Detroit? What are you thinking? So it's very cold, right? Rodgers has a terrible toe injury. Maybe, maybe he walks into the stadium and he just he, – he can't, he can't walk, you know? Maybe, maybe he decides it's time for Jordan Love. And Jordan Love has a game like Matthew Stafford did last week. Dalvin Cook runs crazy. We win – Thirty-five to seventeen. I mean, I like all maybe, of that. but um, yeah, I I don't know how realistic that is. Uh, my prediction: if if I have to pick a score, I'm gonna go twenty-seven to sixteen. Packers win and cover. So that would be my prediction. I just I think we're gonna have trouble scoring points without Thielen and in the cold. I think we can't score and. Despite the cold, I think Rogers still puts up enough on us to uh, for it to be an issue. David, how how are you feeling about the game? We're gonna lose. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's pretty cut and dry, pretty it's, straightforward. Uh, it'll be hopefully a one score game. I want to see the Vikings beat the record for one score games. Another notorious record. Do you think the Packers cover in this game? What's the the line is? Let me bring that it's up. Currently, yeah, six and a half. Six uh, and a half. Pop, 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 wrong chart. Um, uh, I saved it. Where the hell did it go? Da, 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 da. Here we go. Green line. Boom. There it is. Presently, six and a half, you said? Mm-hmm. Six, and, six and, a half. and a half. It's gone as much as seven. Do they cover? That's going to be interesting because it's going to be right around that one touchdown. Um, Ooh. Nah, that's a good bet. Oh. Either way, that's a good bet. You know, right at that that line. I I think the Vikings may squeak in, so, but they're not going to win. Oh, here we go. Look at Mary coming through. There it is. <laughs> Mary coming through optimistic she said she was going to be positive this on this show coming through all the way predicting the vikings win dan predicting a vikings win who else okay i think that's it everyone else is uh, going now last week i said watch this after we well last week it was sunday after we lost to the rams right now we've got to win out and get some help to get in the playoffs watch the vikings sweep the division except for against the winless Lions. That is how the Vikings are. They will do that. They will tie us back in. They will grab our heart just to yank it out come the following week and ruin, you know, our draft position and everything else. So that can always happen too. 
Just All right. Uh, l- last thing before we get out of here, because CYs uh, brought it up a couple times in the comments, and like I feel like you know we got a little bit of time. Why not talk about it? We're all here. Uh, Jonathan, what are your thoughts on a two QB system? Something like the Saints were were trying earlier in the season, where they had Jameis, your more traditional drop back QB, maybe Mond, your more athletic, Taysom sort of QB. Uh, C-Wise has been throwing it out here as an idea, something the Vikings could go with, could try as they get into next season. Or hell, it's something maybe we could have tried this season with Kirk and Kellen. Who knows? What are your thoughts on the Vikings maybe just getting creative and saying, you know, screw it, and uh, trying to do something a little bit different to give themselves an advantage where they can? Personally, I love it. So let's think about it here. If you're in the red zone, right, say inside the five-yard line, the skill set needed to score points from the QB is much different than the skill set you want your typical QB to have, right? There's no deep throws when you're inside the five-yard line, right? And even in other short yardage situations, third and two, third and three, fourth and two, fourth and three, being an athletic QB, being fast is more valuable, being decisive, being very accurate, accurate with uh, close range receivers, being able to fit the ball in. Those are all the kinds of things that Maybe a QB can make all the throws within 10 yards, 15 yards, and maybe they're really athletic, but they can't make the throws deeper, so then they're not even on an NFL roster, right? But they could have a place as a situational player. I think it would be really smart for more teams to try and experiment with a two-person or two-QB system where one QB really tries to play in more short yardage situations than the other QB in more normal situations or longer passing downs. I think that would be very beneficial for the teams that would try it. It'd be an interesting All right. experiment. It would certainly be an interesting experiment. Billy Bats doesn't seem to think it'd be a funny experiment. I mean, you know, he, he seems upset about it for some reason. Not sure what that's all about, Billy, but thanks for coming out. Thanks for watching. Hope that you had fun with the rest of the folks that are hanging out with us tonight. But uh, hey, Dan made it. Vikings Jerome made it. Steve, Quang, Luis, Paul, everybody else. Thanks for coming on through. Uh, As always, it's a pleasure to come through, chop it up with all of y'all, have a drink or two, talk about our Vikings. And uh, that's it. That's the show. Dave, tell them what's coming up for the rest of the week. Well, we have tomorrow night, we have uh, Viking Hot Takes with the great and wonderful Flip Mozzie and Eric Thompson with his dad jokes from Daily Norseman. And then Saturday, you have myself and fellow old blogger Darren Campbell getting together to preview the Sunday night game, which I recommend that you listen to on mute because it's going to be an absolute slurp fest for uh, Aaron Rodgers. And then... uh, and then we start all over. And right after the game, we have, of course, Climbing the Pockets, the final score, which Jason, myself, Matt, and uh, I'm spacing on the regulars. Too much beer. Killed it's it's flip. It's flip, flip. You know? Come at you and uh, see how it goes. So we. Hey, it could go either way. I'm just saying yeah. it could go either way. I hope the I hope the Vikings win because trust me, every time the Vikings beat the Packers, it warms my heart and it makes that next week so much better. But we'll see. Um, 
Doug is saying, got to unload these high pricers. Yeah, Doug, that makes sense. So, but that's, that's it for the end of the week. Make sure you like, subscribe, and ring the bell. We want to thank everybody that has. We went over to 1,000 subscribers this week. That is a milestone. It opened up a couple of things on Facebook for us, or not Facebook, YouTube. Uh, you'll see our new communities tab where we can talk. Uh, you'll see me post some of my Producer Dave's artwork on occasion. I did the huddle artwork on Tuesday, especially since we didn't have a show. And uh, and it's a place for us to interact. So I'll be checking it daily. I know Jason checks it daily. And we'll be here. And we've also been planning some stuff for the offseason and upcoming in the new season. I think you'll like. So that's on the way as well. Until then, what do and we uh, say, Dan? Oh, we can't go yet. Dan asked a very important question. How often are we on? We are on about, what, six days out of the week? We're scheduled for six. Sunday. Scheduled for six. We we try to do do about six. So Sunday after the game, we'll be on. Monday, Monday. we're on. Tuesday, we're on. Wednesday, obviously, we're on. Vikings Hot Take on Thursday. And two old bloggers hit you up on Saturdays. So we try to do six in a week. Uh, And, yeah. We will be there. Uh, Billy asked if we are upset. No, none of us are upset. We are all smiles, having a good time here. Uh, Enjoy, and Mary. Members. That is a very, that is a very great call out. Uh, you know, rest in peace to uh, to John Madden. Uh, yes. You know, he was the goat at what he did. His video game is why so many of us have better clock management than Mike Zimmer. So, all love. Yeah, but to there's Madden. some of us. That remember him in the Super Bowl. It happened to be one we lost, but yes, I remember watching Ken Stabler and uh, <laughs> yep. sadness. No, it is. He's a, he's a great man. There's no other man that I know of that exuded the love of football more, not only as a coach, but then as a broadcaster, and then bring it to the game to share it with youth everywhere than John Madden. He's done more for football than most anybody in that Hall of Fame. And it's just, he's hes the ambassador of it. He loves to talk football, always has. And I hope the big man had a nice reunion with everybody else up there in heaven, and they had one hell of a party, because you know that happened. Absolutely. That's well said. Uh, I think nothing else to say after that. Dave, uh, play the music. Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.